Today we are going to jump into what to do when you get a decline. For some reason it doesn't get approved. We're going to go to option B, C, X, Y, Z, whatever we need to go to. Hey, uh, are you sure this person's never had a heart attack? New agents seem to have so much trouble when they get a decline. And a lot of times I think it's it's more up here than, than anything else. So Because I'm the expert who's going to apply you for the right application until they're approved. And that first premium's gone in and that commission's in my bank account. Until then, I'm still at work no matter what. You like that's our new theme song opening. Welcome to the How to Sell Insurance podcast. My name is Ryan Federico. I am here as always with the best guests in the world, Mr. DJ Debt Free Keith Fonseca and the fighting pride of Pensacola, Florida, Mr. Ashton Delango Lunday, sipping on an iced coffee on a beautiful northwestern Florida afternoon. Uh, <laughs> so, man, great to have you guys here today. We are going to jump into what to do when you get a decline for a client. This happens all the time. A lot of times it catches new agents off guard. Uh, we've built up so much professionalism and we fought so hard to get that uh, application in and to make that W stick on the board. And then we hear the, that little or, uh, we hear that daunting contact back from the insurance carrier that's your client has been declined or uh, due to what we found in the prescription database, we're not going to be able to extend coverage to your client or something like the that. The damn database. And so uh, that damn database, exactly. Those damn underwriters. Why can't they just take everybody with every illness? Uh, now, we know that not all the time every client is going to be completely honest and forthright. I like to think that a lot of the times clients just are ignorant. They're not actually lying. Um, they had a heart attack five or six years ago, but they've been going to the doctor regularly. And the doctor's like, yeah, you look great. You keep on going. Keep taking that medication. Everything looks good. And so when you ask them, hey, any medical issues that we need to know about? They're like, nah, my doctor says I look great. Doesn't change the fact that they had a stroke two years ago. Um, they're just not thinking about it like that because that's the information they get back from their doctor. Of course, we're always going to run into clients who want to omit information and see if they can pull a fast one over the insurance carrier. Um, and they're not telling you 100% of everything. So everybody's got to deal with declines. Everybody's got to deal with uh, ratings and rejections and things like that. So we want to just dive into how to deal with those. And, and we're going to uh, cover three different segments uh, we've put our heads together. Uh, the first segment we're going to jump into is how to prepare yourself for uh, a decline happening. Number two, we're going to be talking about what to do in the appointment when you're running an appointment with somebody to prepare the client if there's a decline to give you an in to write another policy for them. And then number three, we're going to jump into is how to actually handle having the conversation with a client after a decline happens and how do you bridge that sometimes very uncomfortable conversation for a new agent. So uh, before we jump into those three things, uh, we want to maybe toss it over to our master of mindset, mom, Keith Fonseca, and uh, you know talk about maybe why you think 
uh, agents struggle so much with this. Uh, it seems pretty simple to me. You know, somebody gets declined and we just call them back and go, hey, we're going to take another shot somewhere else. But uh, new agents seem to have so much trouble when they get a decline. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I think it's it's more up here than, than anything else. So uh, what, what's the mindset that you had to develop when you were maybe getting your first set of declines to make you really effective at going back and getting a second policy written or finding a solution for that client? You know, what I think is so supremely important is to have some clear understanding and expectations going into this as an agent, never mind, as, you know, as the client, understanding that at no time is any application approved until the carrier approves it. And so I'm mm. dealing from assumption, right? And I've been trained and I've been mentored to come into this and work through assumption especially as a new agent, I'm excited. I'm going to protect families. I'm going to make money for my family. And I get that victory in my mind. And I want to celebrate. They applied, right? And, and, I, and yeah. I've got that application in. And I just have to remember that, you know, it's so supremely important in this industry to understand there's going to be people that don't qualify. But I have to sort of work from a position of you will qualify. That's the mindset of the agent that's winning. You're going to qualify based on the information that you've given me because I'm the expert who's going to apply you for the right application. Now, if they haven't given me you know, all the information that I need, and I know we're going to get into these topics, I have to remember going into this, I'm the doctor. I'm in charge. I'm the lawyer. I'm the problem solver. And so when I present myself as that problem solver, I can't have my own expectations that suddenly get unmet. That you know, we know expectations are the recipe for disappointment, right? Because when mm. they're not met, when I don't, when I expect them to get approved and I expect to get paid to pay my rent, to pay my car, to you know, put food on the table, then was it my expectations or was it really the decline that need to be revisited? And so, you know, making sure as a new agent going into this that, you know, I, I fully understand that I don't get paid, I don't have a victory until they're approved and that first premium's gone in and that commission's in my bank account. Until then, I'm still at work no matter what. That's a great mindset. And, and, you know, for some of you guys who are listening to this, you may be working at a captive agency. Uh, you may only be appointed with one carrier and only have one product. And so it's going to be a little bit difficult for you in this because we're, we're coming at it from a position of you have multiple products to offer. And um, we know we talk to captive agents all the time that, that come to us saying, hey, you know, I got a decline on this person. I can't put them with my company. Uh, is there something that I can do with you? And we do referral partnerships all the time with people who are in that position. So if you find yourself only with one product and you know maybe your carrier doesn't really have a B option or a C option for you to go to, uh, there are other options for you out there working with some referral partners who you know maybe work at brokerages who can do a split deal with you or things like that. Um, but you know definitely explore the options on the table that are going to most effectively help that family and get them protected. Um, so let's talk about real quick just sort of the, the the first stage. The first stage is what am I doing when I'm setting that appointment with that person? Now this could be a lead that I'm calling. This could be a family member or a warm market. This could be you know some other way that I'm getting in front of somebody who is interested in insurance and I've, I've identified that. Now I need to find out what's going on with them in order to know, are they going to qualify? Uh, I have 
interviewed hundreds of agents from different parts of our uh, insurance industry, specifically in the life insurance sales uh, side. And there seems to be this uh, almost how most agents start in this business is they just kind of call a lead and they say, I'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. And they get no information about the person whatsoever. They don't know if they smoke. They don't know if they what their height and weight is, if they're going to qualify. They don't know what their health concerns are. And so they're really put in a tough position when they get into that meeting with that client, whether they're going in person, or they're going over the phone, or they're, they're working on a, a webinar like Zoom or something like that. They're in a real tough position because they have nothing that they can research and prepare themselves and game plan for that appointment. And so they have to get really good very quickly at on the fly diagnosing what product can this person qualify for and that type of agent gets way more declines than somebody who's doing a little bit more pre-planning work just because you don't really know what to do especially if you're new and you don't have any training right? you don't know what people qualify for you're just kind of shooting from the hip going oh I hope they qualify for this and I hope the carrier says yes and you haven't done any of that pre-planning so uh, when I'm on the phone with a client, I like to dive into their medical concerns. And you're really going to need to know specifics about their medical concerns. I like to take it into three categories. Number one, Mr. Smith, do, have you ever had any minor medical health illnesses like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, something like that? Get the minor stuff out of the way. They'll tell you, yeah, I got high blood pressure. Yeah, I've got diabetes. Okay, if they tell me yes, I want to get some detailed information about how long they've been diagnosed with that, how many medications are they taking for it? So if somebody tells me, yeah, I've got diabetes, okay, when were you diagnosed with that? Why? Because there are certain carriers that will approve people who've got diabetes if it has been within a certain time range that they've been diagnosed or if they were past a certain age when they were diagnosed. And there are certain carriers that will accept people no matter what. So you know, I say, when were you diagnosed with that? What kind of medications are you taking for it? Are you taking oral medications or are you taking insulin if it's diabetes? How many medications are you taking for that high blood pressure? And they tell me, oh, we're taking two medications. Okay, great. So after I get the minor stuff out of the way, I wanna move into, have you ever had anything major happen to you like heart attack, stroke, cancer, any hospital stays, things like that? That way now they're going major stuff and they start racking their brain of, yeah, I've had heart attacks, I've had strokes, I've had, I've had cancer, or I went into the hospital for this condition. Oh, okay, when were you diagnosed with cancer? What kind of cancer was it? What did they put you through? Where are you at today? Why were you in the hospital? How long did you stay there? When was that? Because there are certain look back periods that the different insurance carriers have, and I'm not gonna know what this person qualifies for unless I get clarity on those things up front so I can do my homework and my game planning and make sure I know what they qualify for before I go meet with them and go over those options. Uh, now I'm asking them about medications is the third one. So the first one is minor, second one is major, the third one is medications. What kind of medications do they have you taking? And this is where I wanna get the names of the actual medications that they're taking. People are taking all kinds of crazy medications and they can give you some 34 letter medication I don't necessarily need to know what the what the medication is as much as I need to know why they're taking that medication. And you'll learn things like most of the time, if somebody's taking a beta blocker, which you know is a heart medication that ends in LOL, it's always the fun one, 
typically that means they've had some major type of heart condition. They've either yep. had a heart attack or a stroke or a circulatory disorder. And you'll learn this stuff along the way, but it, it came from pre-planning and asking what medications are you taking and getting the names of those medications and the dosages of those medications. And then I wrap it all up past that with the last question, which is what's your height and weight? If you lead off a call, at least I found for me, if I start off a call and I go, hey, Ashton, I got your you know, your letter here requesting mortgage protection coverage, or I've, I've got your request for life insurance coverage, uh, what's your height and weight? A lot of times it's a very defensive question, uh, even for men, but especially, you know, if, if you get women on, on the phone, you know, it's it's not something it's it has always delivered more of pushback for me to ask height and weight up front uh, than it is after I've asked several medical questions. So I want to break it down, like I said, into minor medical illnesses, major medical illnesses, medications and then height and weight rather than just going, do you have any medical issues that, that we need to know about? Because if you just ask, do you have any medical issues that we need to know about, it leaves so much room for the client to be like, no, I'm healthy. The doctor says I'm good versus that same person having cancer five years ago and beating it. And now I apply them for a term coverage and they get declined because I didn't ask them any details about their health. So I've heard a lot of people that do in the last five years and then say, how about the last maybe 10 years? How about the last 15 years? And they do kind of a backtrack through history where somebody can rack their brain about it. That's cool too. But I just want to make sure that I'm getting enough information on the phone call with them to figure out what they're going to qualify for and to have a good game plan when I go into the appointment. Then when I go into the appointment, and this is where I'm going to uh, transition over to Keith, who I think does an incredible job at the end of the sale of you know being able to get somebody's head wrapped around that we might get declined. And, and he's going to go into that in just a minute. But when I'm in the beginning part of the sale, I want the client to know the insurance company is going to see everything. And I want to make sure that they understand they're going to pull your prescription history for the last 20 years. They're going to pull your medical records. They're going to look at the MIB report, which is going to tell them anything that you've been diagnosed for. They're going to see it all. Because usually when I explain that to clients, it's funny how some extra information comes up or that other medication that they were taking kind of gets pulled out of the medicine cabinet. Well, I also was prescribed this, but I never took it. Oh, when were you prescribed nitroglycerin? You know what I mean? Or like, or so it's always like something like that. If I tell them, hey, when we apply for insurance, they're going to see everything. They're going to pull this, 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 and this. And so we got to be as truthful as possible up front. New information seems to come out all the time. And if you're a new agent, you may want to have, you know, set up with your mentor or whoever brought you into the business that when you're running your first set of appointments, if you encounter that new information that you can kind of call them as a lifeline and get their help for what to do. Uh, you may want to rebook another appointment with them for when you can actually research that new medication and make sure they qualify for it. Probably the worst thing you can do is just trudge forward and apply them for what you thought they would qualify for originally, because uh, that's how you're going to get a lot of declines and it's going to be difficult for you to to get that client back on the hook. So, um, Keith, let's let's transition over to you to talk about that that second part, which is now I've done my due diligence. I've created a game plan for the client. Let's say I've run my appointment, I've executed that game plan, and we've, we've filled out an application. What are some of the things that you're doing to prepare your client, just in case you get a decline, um, that you have that space to come back to them and be able to offer them another product? 
Yeah, that's a great point, Ryan. A couple of things. Um, you know, earlier you were talking about clarity. So clarity is super important, right? The whole time, if I want to be, um, you know, an agent that gets most of my policies approved beforehand, being very clear and specific with folks is really, really important about expectations. Um, I like to under-promise and over-deliver. So I really like to say, you know, this, this could take 10 to 14 days. Even if I know in my back pocket it could be approved by the end of the appointment uh, because that allows me to play the hero, right? I always want to mm. be in a hero space, but I also always want to let them know that, you know, this process, um, while doesn't require, you know, if we're doing, you know, sort of the simplified stuff, and I know some of you are doing the uh, pyramid type stuff, fully underwritten but if if this is you know sort of the simplified stuff i always want to make sure that i'm extending the time a little bit giving myself room and space to deal with something that's going on additionally control is super important so just to give you an example i have an agent shout out to david out there who was with a client and on you know called me during the appointment and um you know, I spoke to the client a little bit, and he said he had no medical issues, none. Mm. And their problem during filling out the application was he hadn't been to the doctor since he was 13, and he's 35 right now. Now, as, a, as an agent out there, especially when I'm a new agent like David, oh, that was great to him. And I knew something was up. When was the last time you ran into somebody who hasn't been to any doctor in 20-plus years? right? It's rare. So my immediate question was, oh, okay, sir, have you been to, you know, any urgent care nearby? All of a sudden, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I went there four years ago, and there was this, and there was this, and there was this. So are you sure there were no medications you were taking from that? Is there no medication you can remember? Any doctor prescribed anything? And no, 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 I'm, you know, I'm fine. And, you know, 20 minutes later, he was declined for a prescription report. Right. So yeah. we've got, you know, clarity and control are so important in understanding that, you know, reference power, massive power questions. Right. Go back uh, to, you know, a previous podcast where it's so important to dig and dig and dig and dig. And also then setting up those expectations, clarity, control, expectations. So once that application goes in. Um, and, and for me, it's before the application, at least throughout the entire process, that I'm setting those expectations that, hey, this is what's going to happen. And I'm not saying you're getting approved, right? Because I just never mm. know. I'm saying things like once you're approved, once the carrier reviews and they make their decision and you're approved, rather than like saying if you get approved, if you get approved, yeah, rather than saying, you know, no problem, this will be approved. That's what I call over-promising, and then, there, then I have an opportunity to under-deliver, and it makes me look bad. It makes the whole process look bad, and I'm not actually mm -hmm. putting their best interest at heart at first. Um, I'm just taking the opportunity to kind of suck them into a sale that may never be a sale, and then I lose the opportunity to come back to them with like a secondary, uh, you know, a secondary option. So um, definitely, sure. you know, control quality questions and setting clarity great expectations so let's give them something specific so let's say you just wrote an app mm -hmm. they filled it out mm -hmm. uh, maybe you got instant approval 
right? Maybe you didn't get instant approval. I, you know, I love products with instant approval, but I think all three of us have gotten instant approvals that turned out to be declines in a couple days. Sure. Uh, that happens quite often, yep. uh, especially with the, we won't name the company, but the most popular instant approval company, um, you know, certainly backtracks on, uh, on a lot of their policies. Um, so let's, let's talk about, you just wrote a, a policy what are you telling to the client at the end of the appointment to create that space? Like, what are you specifically saying to them that allows you the door to be open when you do get a decline to be able to go back and write them a different product? Now that our application's in, here's what I expect to happen. I expect them to approve this policy inside of 14 days. However, there are times where things potentially that both of us miss. And so once they do their underwriting, they're going to come back with a decision. If that decision is not what we expect, because we can't fully guarantee what they're seeing versus what we're seeing, we're going to take the next steps to make sure we get the protection in place that we talked about for your family. Now, it may mm. sometimes not look and feel exactly like we set up here, but rest assured, no matter what happens, you're now in the family with us, and I'm going to make sure you guys are protected no matter what. So reaffirming your commitment, mm -hmm. opening up the door that if something goes wrong, you're going to be there to take care of them. And uh, is there any specific direction that you give to them? Like I've heard people say, hey, if, if this happens, I may need to get you on the phone. Are you guys available? Do you, you know, are you better by text? Are you better by email? Or do you just kind of leave it at that? I'm committed to you, and I'll let you know one way or another. No, I definitely want to add, please know I'm going to communicate with you throughout the process. Some of these carriers have a little bit of an arduous process because, you know, they're, they've got billions of dollars on the line, and they, they want you as a client. There's no application I've ever put on where a carrier said, we can approve them, but we don't want them as a client, right? They want you as a client. They want to do business with you. And so I'm going to communicate with you throughout the process what exactly is happening, what they're requesting. And, you know, you can help me at being part of the process if I reach out to you for a question or an answer. Maybe we can get on the phone or do a text that day so that way I can get it into them quickly. So the sooner the better. Now, with some carriers, I'm also adding this last piece. Hey, thank you. Part of the application and taking your banking info was creating temporary insurance. So right now, you're covered if something should happen as long as you would have been approved, right? I'm claiming that win right there and then so that they feel a win too, even if I know we're going to have to take some time and go through a process and, you know, there's something on that MIB that they didn't remember or they got a script for you know, some sort of something that they, they didn't realize is, oh, it was for this, and I just didn't think about it. Like, how often does someone ask you out in general society, um, you know, what prescription medication have you been prescribed in the last five years? I mean, if you ask me that right now, right. I'm going to leave out like 75% of it and not think about it. And what do I know that this one little prescription t was, you know, related to this one illness that this specific insurance carrier was looking at sideways the underwriter just didn't understand and they're going to send me a question about it or these systems going to automatically decline and you know a lot of agents will treat that as like 
you know, a bomb just went off. Well, you know, I shouldn't say bomb, but you know what I mean? Like right now, like it was a big deal. Something just happened and, you know, it just devastated them. Oh my God, there's no solution here. And the, the problem is I didn't prep the client that that could happen. Yeah, man, it's so good. And I, I hope everybody is able to rewind that segment and take some notes on it because it's such an important piece of posturing and to put yourself in the best position to make money and to protect families is I, I do think a lot of new agents come in and they study for their exam and they go through you know the trials and tribulations of uh, putting themselves out there and setting appointments, whether they're doing warm market or whether they're doing leads or something, they're learning scripts or learning rebuttals or going through a you know rejection. Then they finally get that application written and they're like, yes, you know, and they're you know they're they're stoked that they got it. And then they get a decline, and it just takes the wind out of their sails, and they're just bummed out, and they don't want to call the client, and they don't want to uh, do that extra work to get the client covered uh, because they kind of feel like they've already done the work when they just didn't quite know that the work is actually done when you set the appointment. The work is actually done when you start running the appointment. The work is actually done, like Keith just did, opening that door for if a decline happens, posturing yourself in the right position. So, you know, you might be doing some of the work, you're just not really doing the work well yet, you know, so. Yeah, there's so many agents uh, would... that don't follow up after the decline. And so I wanna oh, say yeah. two things to them, shame on you for telling that family that you were going to protect them. And when you got the decline, you just moved on to someone new. And thank you, because folks like us are following up with them, finding out that they got declined and doing the heavy lifting to then all of a sudden get them protected, and not realizing that that one decline and that one ignored family member could have been like 60 more referrals, like folks that we know in this business who take advantage of that. So every decline is another approval in waiting when you really do the hard work for that family because then they're going to say, oh, man, that Ashton Delango Lunday, he went stretches and miles to make sure that we got this insurance in place. He's the only person we deal with. You should that's definitely right. deal with him too. Oh, and that's a great transition over to Ashton. You know, Ashton, I would ask you first – at the end of an appointment, before we go into what you do when a decline happens, yeah. at the end of an appointment, are you saying something similar, like like Heath is saying, uh, giving yourself, you know, sort of a, a door to get back into the appointment? Yeah, I set it up in the beginning when I talk about my expectations kind of for the appointment. I'm going to go, hey, here's what I'm here to do. Um, you know, we talked about those power questions and power statements. You know, we're going to be getting an application today, and if for some reason it doesn't get approved we're going to go to option b c xyz whatever we need to go to and i'm setting that expectation that if for some reason we aren't approved then this is what we're doing um and then mm -hmm. i leave that reminder at the end if it's not something like an instant issue and it's uh you know uh you know even if it's simplified issued it's going to take a few days you know some of those carriers out there even simplified issued will take you know three or five days for a manual review Maybe something popped up in the medical record and like, hey, we want to manually check this. This is simplified issued. It's an yeah. instant issue product, but we see a few things that aren't lining up. Let us manually check it. So if something like that happens, you know, hey, guys, just a reminder, you know, they're going to be taking their time to, to look over this. Typically three to five business days, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little shorter. And if for some reason, again, it doesn't get approved, then we'll get back together and we'll go to option B. You know, it happened to me last week. I put in a case, it was simplified issued, said, hey, well, we got to refer this to our team for further review. But then two business days later, it came back and said, 
all good. So now let's say you did that, you set up the expectations and you're three days down the line and you get that dreaded email from the underwriting department, you know, due to X, Y, Z, we're going to decline this person. Or uh, they ask you a question. Sometimes this happens. They ask you a question. You know where they're going. Yeah. Hey, uh, are you sure this person's never had a heart attack? Or we noticed that uh, the question, uh, can you re-ask question 15A, you know, or something like that. And the reason why they're asking that is because they see in their medical records that they have had that condition and um, you answered no and, mm -hmm. and the answer should be yes. And so we, when you get that email, you get this decline and you've left the door open with the client. So now what does that conversation sound like for you when you're going back to the client to tell them you've got declined and we need to go a different route? Yeah, of course, I'm, I'm first gonna go talk with the carrier, figure out why there was a decline, uh, get as much information as that carrier will give me. Some carriers give more, some carriers give less. Um, and I'm gonna figure out what they should have said yes to uh, on the application. Mm. Um, and then once I get that information, I'm going to go talk with the client, maybe see if anything jogs their memory. Um, but when I get that call, you know, I'm going to go, Hey, uh, you know, we finally got all the information from the carrier. Uh, we got that, uh, decision, uh, one's going to be a good time to get back together and go over, uh, all this information uh, about the policy. And I'm going to go set another time for an appointment, whether you're in person or virtually, I'm going to set another time to get back in front of the client. And then by that time, I'm going to make sure that, hey, if this is true, then I'm going to make sure that here's option B. Sometimes you're going to say, hey, we're seeing they should have said yes to congestive heart failure. And then you go talk <laughs> to them, and it's like, well, we take this medication. It's not for that. It's for blood pressure. And then sometimes they're like, sure. oh, okay, sure. Like, we'll, we'll issue it. I had a case where a lady had an inhaler, and they thought it was tobacco mixed with COPD. And so it was a decline. Mm. And then we reached out and said, hey, why is it a decline? Like, well, you got an inhaler in, in tobacco. So that obviously means COPD. And come to find out, she's just had asthma since she was a child. Before she used cigarettes, not, not as a child. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I've, so I've had that happen with uh, – yeah, I've had that happen with gestational diabetes. When somebody's pregnant, they get the code on their – on their MIB for diabetes when really they just had gestational diabetes and they get declined from an insurance carrier because it shows diabetes before a certain age, right? Diabetes before 30 or something like that if, if they got it when they were in their 20s. So I've certainly had that happen and been able to clear it up. Uh, and I think it's important what you just said before we get into how you handle the conversation that uh, we want to identify if we can figure out maybe what's doing it so that when we go back to the client, we can ask them specific questions about that maybe what's doing it. So most there's, like Ashton said, there's varying levels of information that the different insurance carriers will give you. Some will give you none. Some will give you absolutely everything. Some will give you somewhere in the middle. Um, one of the questions that I've always been able to ask, especially for a simplified issue carrier, uh, that pretty much all of them answer is, what question on the application do you feel like should have been answered? Yes. What what question do you think was incorrectly answered? And that will they'll go, oh, 15B or like 7A or something like that. And I'll be able to go back to the client and say, okay, they found something in either your prescription history or your medical records that makes it seem like you've had heart attack, stroke, cancer, you know, like whatever that that's question 7A is that you answered no. 
um, you'll be able to, to at least get yourself into a position to jog the client's memory about, oh, yeah, I had this or I had that. Mm-hmm. So pretty much I've found that most insurance carriers will give you that. What question on the application should have been answered? Yes. And some of them are a little obstinate, but most of them will at least give you that. And, you know, like you said, some of them will just tell you exactly what it is right away. Um, and some of them will, you know, keep that HIPAA data and that HIPAA privacy very, uh, very tight. So now you've gotten a decline. Let's just say you know what it's for. You've been able to now drop back and identify, okay, I can't get them this based on this health issue. I can get them this. So, but importantly though, when you're, so you're making that phone call to them, you're just kind of like, hey, let's meet to go over your mm-hmm. coverage. Yeah. Or are you saying something to them that kind of uh, implies that you need to meet with them to come to some decisions? No, I just simply call them and go, hey, how's it going, guys? Um, you know, finally got some some information back from the company. Uh, when's going to be the best mm-hmm. time to, to get back together and go over this policy with you guys? Uh, and, and go over the I got some information back from the insurance carrier, and when's a good time to go over it with you? Yeah. Is basically what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's about it. Perfect. Because, I mean, I do something very similar. I think the strategy that I've always taken is I always want it to be good news. Yeah. And even I even say, hey, guys, I got some good news. You know, and it's like they, they could have just been declined. And I hear agents go like, what do you mean? That's not good news. That's bad news. Well, if I've already found them another carrier, then I do have good news for them. Hey, good news. I know exactly why you were declined and I have a carrier that's going to accept you. Um, but I always will make that call, you know, just like you're saying, Ashton, and go, hey, guys, good news. I got some great information about what you're going to qualify for. Uh, let's meet and go over those options. I never send it by text message. I never do it by voicemail. I never send an email that says you've been declined. When can we get back together? I never make it sound negative like you've been declined. I always just say, hey, good news. I got some great information back from the insurance carrier we applied for. I want to get together with you and go over your options. Uh, when's a good time for you? And it's always just this positive light so that they're looking forward to that appointment. And then in that appointment, I can say exactly what you said. So it looks like because of this, this, and this, this insurance carrier isn't going to cover you. Bad news. But the good news is I've figured out why. And I have this other insurance carrier who will cover you. And, you know, I've, I'm, not, I'm just taking away the opportunity for them to even have an objection because I'm still in that assumption mode of like you would want insurance coverage. And then, like you said, Ashton, I just got to figure out if it's a change in price do you want the same amount of coverage for more price or do you want, you know, the same price with, with lesser coverage, which one fits best for you and get a little decision from them on that. Um, but I've never really had a problem with it because they know that I'm operating with new information that they didn't give me before. And had I've known that information, I would have come to them with this pricing anyway. Um, so Keith, what about you? Well, you know, a couple of quick tidbits. It's again, uh, the, and the mindset is making sure that I know a lot about that family, who they are, what's important to them. So when I'm calling them with that, you know, hey, we've hit a roadblock here, but I've got some good news. I'm also pulling that mindset string of, you know, being able to relate to them and talk about things first. Hey, it's Keith. How's it going? How's this daughter? How's that son? You know, did they win the baseball game? All right. Well, I just want to follow up with a few quick things. So I'm setting the scene of like we're still you know, all on the same page and keeping that in a good mode. Nobody likes bad news. 
Nobody likes mm. bad news. And as soon as I call them, give them a punch in the gut and then go, well, I think I can help figure this out. They're already in the mind frame of, well, I thought you said it was going to go this way. I thought we expected this and we didn't. And so they're already in that mindset of like, oh, forget about it. I've, 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 when I was new, I heard that multiple times, that forget about it. So I would definitely yeah. say following up with people is just staying in that positive mind frame, like you said, Ryan. You know, we've got good news, but also preempting that with continuing to build relationship. Relationship matters the most in this thing and them trusting that I've got their best interest at heart, even when I don't have good news. Man, that's such a great point. And I think that's a great point for us to end on as well for people to take into practice is, you know, for me, I you just hit a, you know, a, a power line in my brain because it's it's also about remembering the reason why that family wanted insurance. Mm -hmm. And if that means that you need to take notes after every appointment, you need to put, you know, quick notes in your Google calendar or whatever you're keeping your appointments in, or if you have an appointment journal or something like that, to there's sometimes when you need to reinvigorate the reason why they wanted insurance in the first place to help them wrap their brains around a new kind of coverage, especially if you sold them a term coverage or something like that, and yep. they thought they were getting $200,000, and then you found out they had a medical condition that only qualifies them for more of a final expense type of product, and you're taking them from 200000 down to 10000 for the same price or something, you're really going to need to dig in and reinvigorate, hey, Mr. Smith, I remember when you told me that when something happens to you, you don't want Mrs. Smith to be an XYZ. She's not going to be able to pay for this, this, and this. You told me that story about how your sister had breast cancer and went homeless. You know, whatever the story was that you dug out in that appointment of why they had the motivation to get coverage put in place, sometimes you're going to need to access that again when you're giving them a whole new option after they've been declined. So, you know, keeping number one, doing that in your appointments is the first thing, right? Yep. And we got plenty of podcast content about, you know, asking quality questions and really digging into the reason why people want insurance. But number two, you might need to rely on some notes that you have for an appointment. What's the daughter's name? Are they playing baseball? What's the dog's name? You know, what, what do they do for work? How are things over there? I'm a real estate agent, man, how, how difficult is it for you out there right now with inventory being so low or whatever? to reinvigorate that relationship and get back into the reason why they wanted insurance to reset the table for this new option that you're about to give them, you might need to have that information. So I really, man, it's such a, such a great real point, quick Keith. tip. I want to leave people with before we come off um, and end. Uh, you said a key word there relationship that, you know, again, I, if you stuck around for this podcast, remember I said this, right? The reason they call me DJ Debt-Free is because I write a lot of symmetries, Debt-Free Life, and that's 99% fully underwritten. So maintaining that mm. relationship throughout the entire process is so, so important. And maybe captive insurance agents have this uh, little advantage over the rest of us who aren't captive. I mean, I'd rather have the third different carriers in my hip, but um, make a relationship with an underwriter, right? They're people too. Yeah. So, you know, get into, you know, calling underwriters. And the way I found that to be helpful to me to sort of avoid declines or learn more from a decline was to call them and ask them for help. Call the specific carrier, get in touch with that specific underwriter and say, hey, I'm new, I'm learning. Can you give me a little bit of guidance on this case that I submitted? 
And a lot of them are willing to do it when they don't have to, like, you know, release information that's going to put them in a bad light. Uh, but also they're willing to build that relationship, that trust. Some of them will give a little bit of information. So I'm not going to give any names of any underwriters, right? But I'm going to say that there are underwriters out there that want to see clients get approved as much as we do. And sometimes they're behind a little bit of, you know, bureaucratic policy. So if they could steer us or pre-steer us before we write the policy and we have that information, that relationship with an underwriter is so super key it has been to my success there's a number of times where i know if cases landed in another underwriter's hands they might have been declined but the relationship i have with some of these underwriters has helped me to create like a, a pathway to an approval because i call them first mm. and they know it's me yeah definitely creating creating relationships you know it's, it always boggles my mind when i hear you know, people calling and like yelling at underwriters or like yelling at new business departments or like, you know, sending emails with like, how dare you MFers, you know what I mean? Or something. It's like, <laughs> dude, those are the people, those are like the gatekeepers of your money, dude. Like, what are you doing? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so definitely um, attracting more flies with honey in uh, in that particular situation, attracting more bees with honey, um, you know, in, in that situation is uh, is certainly the best strategy to take. So I hope you guys got a lot out of this podcast episode. Remember, the three things that we went over were, number one, get the information up front that you're going to need to casework properly and to get the products they qualify for. Number two, make sure that when you're finished with the appointment, you're opening the door and telling them, if we get declined, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you coverage, either option B, option C, option D, so that they know that there's a possibility that they may get declined. And then number three, when you're getting back with them, it's always good news. We always have a strategy. You've got a couple little tidbits of how you can maybe pick up what that strategy is from underwriters and insurance carriers. And another reason to give yourself that week or so time frame when you're at the end of an appointment telling them how things are going to go. Uh, so as always, we're going to keep bringing you fresh content and we're going to keep putting out these little training uh, podcasts. So definitely like and subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, get on writemoreapps.com and uh, subscribe to our podcast list. And we will come back to you with our next topic here in about a week. See you, See you everybody. $154 deposited from AIG right now. Hello. Dude, you're freaking you, baller. AIG. Go get you some Louis. There you go. Dude, I got uh, $2,400 deposited so far today. I like that. Okay, Look at that. I like that. Mutual of Omaha, Foresters, National Life Group, John Hancock, American Amicable, AIG. Life is good. <laughs>